the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 108, recorded Friday, September 13th, 2013. Burnt Retinas. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I'm your host. Um, getting over a summer cold, so I apologize about the voice. Uh, with us this week is George Tucker. Um, he's always here, so uh, I don't, I'll introduce him anyway. Uh, he's the engineering uh, coordinator for World Stage and my right-hand man. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. I was about to say, your voice sounds sexy today. So I'd sexy. Say keep well, then I'll keep, <laughs> I'll keep the summer cold going. That'll work. Um, also with us, a couple of uh, first-time guests, Bernie Katner. He is the president and CEO of Nimbus Integration Group. How are you, sir? Good. I'm not going to comment on that little... Uh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> comment by George. I do, I do appreciate that. I will say that you are the first guest we've had from Idaho, though. So that is a unique, uh, a unique honor that you have there. Well, see, that's a problem. Well, it's not a problem. It's, I, <laughs> it, it's a cool thing. I don't think we've gotten somebody from every state yet, though. I think we're still waiting on Hawaii and, and Alaska, but I, Idaho was uh, was one of the one of the last ones there. Um, and last but not least, Heather Sidoritz. Sidoritz. Good lord, I already screwed up your name. Sidoritz. No worries, everybody does. Uh, Sidorowitz. Sidorowitz. I even wrote uh-huh. it phonetically. Um, uh, project manager for Southtown Audio Video, but uh, known in the blogger world, uh, she's she blogs for Residential Systems, and on Twitter, this is Tech Chi, folks. How are you, ma'am? I am great. Happy to be here. By the way, real, real quick story about about you and, and meeting you for the first time. Uh, we met at the Infocom uh, tweet up uh, that yes, was sponsored did. by a very a bunch of very nice people, um, and uh, it was you're like, hi, I'm Heather, and I'm like, that's great. That's awesome. And then you're like, I'm Tech Chi. That's what I need to hear. That That was funny. That no one knew the actual names of everybody else. Yeah. It was it we that was a very we were very nerdy at that at that little meeting cuz it was once you had your handle, then it's like, "Oh, I know who you are." Yeah, <laughs> somebody suggested somewhere along the way that we should make name tags next year uh, with our Twitter handle, so that'll be Most you know, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, all well, right. Heather's also the one that walked up to me and said hi, and I did the same thing. And she goes, "You know, you sound taller." Oh jeez! <laughs> no, it was your picture, your handle picture. Seems for some reason I pictured you taller. Like, nice. That's because of the perspective that he took the picture from. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, George Tucker is actually an, a dwarf. He's three feet tall. So. <laughs> Tiny Tim's got nothing on me. I'm gonna, oh, very nice, very well done. Uh, this week we're going to talk about cassette tapes. And no, this is not a flashback show. Uh, Disney has a really cool uh, microphone, and the FCC is once again the devil. But first, Philips, uh, that's right, Philips, uh, the maker of fine LED light bulbs, uh, they still make TVs. And they've got a couple really interesting things. First of all, they have a cloud service, and it's it's a different take on the whole smart TV thing. It's, okay, so it's... Everything that you've got with a smart TV and then some. And the issue that I, I guess I'm having with this is wrapping my brain around is, okay, that's great, but everything that every cloud person will say is, this stuff works great when you have a connection, but then you don't. Uh, George, how is this a move forward for, for Philips? Um, and if it is... Where I mean, are they going to find a way to make the cloud service work when there is no cloud, I guess? <laughs> well, I don't know. That's sort of a sort of an existential conversation. Thank isn't you. It? Yes. But, but um, so I, I like it a lot. I think this is really cool. And this is one of the again, another one of those tools that we kind of hope for. We're dreaming of. We want to be true for as cord cutters that I can have a la carte selection of what I want to watch whether it's uh, local or premium or far-flung sports. Kind of like back in the days when we had large satellite dishes in the back of some of our yards that we could do, right? 
hey, I can get rugby from Australia. Nobody cares. I want it. They're not going to make me that. pay thirty, yeah. right? They're not going to make me pay three thousand dollars a month just to get it. No, but it'll cost you eight thousand dollars to get the dish. Yes, but again, you have to go with the ROI. Aren't we doing time over cost over oh, time, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, divide by pi, square the radius, module the remainder. Yeah, okay. But unfortunately, while it's a great idea, and this is another example of all those manufacturers wanting to get themselves into that tip-to-tail ecosystem that the client and the consumer will buy from them, it has a lot of caveats. If you read the article, it says, well, there's some small caveats. It says it's country dependent that the service will be available to what extent. I like the idea, but I really get the feeling this is a pipe dream, except for in some small, you know, self-governing islands. <laughs> like the Bahamas or, you know. Yeah, you know, or like, Easter you know, those islands. oil platforms that somebody takes over and declares themselves a nation. That, Guam. Guam. <laughs> it's perfect Guam. for Guam. Micronesia. Course, the last, the last country <laughs> yeah. to get it will will be Canada, though. So, uh, regardless, yes. uh, Bernie, is this something that you could put in, uh, or that your your customers would want you to put in? Well, you know, we do mainly government, and uh, well, then they're going to so have can, it regardless. I can't, I can't <laughs> no, I can't. Yeah, they're going to get it no matter what. Um, but I tell you what, um, my kid, uh, I, I got an Apple TV, and the kid loves that. He loves the fact that everything's there in one place. And I can see customers uh, wanting that. But some of the problems have been in the past is how many accounts do you need? Accounts for all the different services. Mm. Now, the local, now if I can get hundreds, it says right here, hundreds of local, national, and special interest channels. If I can get local channels, that'd be great. Yeah, but, but notice none of them were named. Yeah, I noticed that. I mean, we have one cable provider out here in Idaho, and, you know, they can do whatever they want and too bad. So um, it would be great to have another option out there. Well, yeah, and something like um, Arrow, which is a, a service that you can get um, local, your local over the air, you know, over the, over the Internet. And there are, there are some uh, modules for things like Roku and, and um, uh, right. Boxybox. Um, Heather, I almost called you Tech Chi. I apologize, <laughs> Heather. No worries, uh, I'll answer to either. Okay. Uh, is this, uh, when it comes to, to either either a residential market, is this something that maybe that, that people are, are waiting for or hoping for? Is this all-inclusive smart TV and cloud service thing? I think that people are definitely waiting for the day that they can cut the cord. Uh, that's something of huge interest in the residential world. But at this point with this product, I almost feel like we're talking vaporware. It's um, mm. it's just doesn't exist yet. The fact that they didn't name anyone and, and then kind of give you the whole caveat of, you know, rules that per country apply. And we can see what's happening, which we'll talk about later with Verizon and the fights between Time Warner and but is it CBS? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that it's it, we're still we're still not there. I, I want to be there. People want to be there. They can't wait to that day. But we're this at this point is is a concept more than a product, in my opinion. Well, you you mentioned the Verizon and Time Warner fight. Is that something that's going to push the networks maybe to get on the bandwagon of of a la carte? Because I think that the, go ahead. That would be that would be a happy place if it did. Um, we're seeing a little bit of trickle, you know, HBO with HBO Go and certain, you know, you can see a lot of things now, um, with Hulu Plus, you can get some of your shows. We're getting there, but it's still a crawl. I I think it's the future, 100%. I think that that's what TV will be. I think set-top boxes will go away. I think TVs will plug into the internet and that will do with bandwidth, but I don't think we're there yet. Well, and that, that raises another point, Bernie, I'm not... I'm not disparaging the great state of Idaho, but uh, there's a lot of open space there, right? You and right next door, you've got Montana. There was a a a, 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 a pictograph going around. I think it was Gizmodo about the bandwidth speeds um, around the U.S. and up in the great north. I mean, Montana, I think, was the worst uh, bandwidth speed, and oddly, North and South Dakota was some of the best, which didn't make any sense to me. Uh, wow. But it was. It was like it was faster than what we get here in uh, in the good old Midwest. Uh, and obviously, places like New York and, and Florida, you guys had super fast speeds. Stuff like that is that's going to hamper, isn't it? Um, development of stuff like this, the, the the access to to higher bandwidths. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm here at the company, and we're, we're lucky to get 20 megs wow. uh, per second. And when I go back home, Pennsylvania, my mom's, you know, she's a senior citizen. She's pulling down 100. <laughs> um, <laughs> Download those recipes really quick, oh, right? I tell you what. <laughs> That macrame um, design, man, got it right on. Yeah. She's doing macrame in 3D. <laughs> <laughs> on a 4K set. On a 4K set, yeah. On a yeah, 4K right, exactly. OLED. And I pay twice as much than she does. For the That's amazing to me. I mean, is that is it Cablevision in Pennsylvania? Um. Because I was like, but I say I live in New York area, and Cablevision is outrageous. Only well, second Blue to say Ridge. Time Warner. Hmm? She got Blue, Blue Ridge. <laughs> oh, I haven't heard of those guys. All right. Yeah. Damn, uh, like, damn someone's got it worse off than we do. It, it, but here it's, you know, we got two options for internet. Well, three if you count satellite. And the, the speed is terrible, and there's nobody out there to really compete with these guys. There's no competition, so, yeah. There's, there's no need. There, I mean, there's a need. But there's no reason for them. Well, there's there's there was a a, uh, a uh, not a piece of legislation, but an idea floated by by President Obama more than a year ago, and it was similar to the Cable Act of of night not Act, but the, but cable legislation in the 1970s, where the government basically subsidized cable companies to lay pipe uh, to lay to lay uh, copper to outlying areas so that everybody could get. Uh, cable TV that that couldn't receive over the air and this that and the other, same type of concept. They would lay fiber, they would lay um, uh, high speed internet lines to places that financially and from a business sense didn't make didn't make financial sense. There was no ROI, at least not not a reasonable ROI. But the government would subsidize that to connect the entire country. And I'm not asking for a political statement, you know, pro or 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 against the, the president specifically, but. George, does that does that idea make sense um, to make sure that, that everybody's connected to help foster this not just this growth but, but growth of other things on the on the internet? You know, I don't know if we're at that point where that's acceptable. I think there's too many things fighting it. What you need it to be in that case is what they're trying to do in the EU, which is says that internet access is a fundamental human right. Hmm. right? I believe like that's what's going on. Well, in the U in the UK in the UK and the EU, there's been this hoisted, I guess is the best word for it, the concept that internet access is a fundamental human need at this point because of how we do things, business and information. And to make it so would give a lot of weight behind, say, UN and multinational projects to bring that to people and get the money for it. And that's sort of what you're talking about here. I think unfortunately, or maybe even fortunately, what may, may happen here is I was about to ask Bernie about being in Idaho and how many, how many people are really keeping an eye on the Google networks who promise really super high-speed networks and uh, access, and they've done a few experimental cities or towns. You know, this is bigger than, say, the Munify that's scaring the cable companies. I think this is something that they really are going to try and keep a, a tamper on, sort of like the Tucker car, not to use my own name. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> but, you know, that was but a it great is, movie, it, by the right? way. Yes, it is. But is that not similar what we're looking at? I mean, they may be seriously trying to tamp down this, that if it comes to town, they could lose a lot. Well, okay. Go ahead. You know, out here, the problem is, you come to Boise, you're fine. You try to get out to the, the outer cities, you run into a problem where there is no right-of-ways. All the land is privately owned. So you have to sit there and negotiate with every single homeowner on a street mm. to put a line in. Or you have to sit there and negotiate with every property owner because... There was no houses out here. There was no roads in some of the areas. And there's no right of ways. It was never put in. So they can spend as much money as they want to put a line in. But when you come up to those houses, you could have a whole town cut off by one guy who says, I'm not letting you cross my land. Oh, jeez. And, and then you run into the whole imminent domain thing, going to court, whole bit. Now it'll take years. Yeah. It's a movie in the process. If you build it, they will come. Yeah. But <laughs> well, I wonder know, if you get around that by doing sort of short burst micro microwave. Because it doesn't to. apply to air rights. I mean, right. Or you could but, do you could do you know 
piggyback on top of uh, the existing phone lines and power lines. The, yeah. The, those those uh, yeah. the power. I wonder poles. if Google would do that though. They want to they want to do infrastructure tip to tail again. No, they do. Yeah. Well, we you know we got a small town up here where they uh, spent hundreds of thousands of dollars bringing up fiber to this town, and they got to the outskirts of town, and the town got together and said, "We don't want it." Huh. huh? And they said, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna put it in anyway." And the town's like, "No, <laughs> because we own the land. There is no rights." So, so See, this is a great business. The lines are just sitting up there. That's amazing. <laughs> well, this is yeah. a great business opportunity because if you can buy the land that's just adjacent where the town says no, but the lines stop, you build yourself <laughs> oh, yeah. a bar and casino, man, and you'll bring everybody in when they when they can't get the the, the games or anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. George this is could moving. be an advantage. George is moving to Idaho. <laughs> uh, just, just don't tell your wife. Uh, huh? It's all for business. It's all for business. Uh, all right, keeping on with, with Philips just for a second. They've gotten into, uh, this because from Digital Trends as well, they've gotten into the ambient light uh, scheme. This is not anything new, the whole idea the, the, of you know a display or uh, I've even seen um, projection screens that have like an LED backlit to it or backlight to it. Um, and it changes based on what you're playing. Uh, the picture they show is a... A picture of of the Earth and space, and the the LED that's that's backlit is a nice blue. Uh, I was at a buddy of mine's house who has a, a version of this. His his is actually a projection screen, and he was playing um, Iron Man, and it, it starts glowing red when when the first time Iron Man appears, and it's it's a very cool experience. Um, but Heather, we'll start with you. Is this how big of a deal is this for for residential or just AV in general to have this? this added lighting experience uh, for video? Um, when when Ambient Light came out, I remember they had this great commercial. And I would get asked that all the time, just out and about. People would say, do you have that in your store? But I, it wasn't a really popular item when it came down to actually purchasing it. It was that gimmicky. It's like that first, um, remember that first flat screen commercial we ever really saw? And the husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend are laying in the bed and the TV was hung from the ceiling. Do you guys remember that? It was mm-hmm. it was years ago. But, um, you know, so there's sometimes I think in our world it's gimmicky and it gets the idea, but I don't think it actually necessarily makes the sales. I, too, have installed um, a, a screen uh, projector-wise that has the ambient light around it. And, and those two customers did enjoy it, but they didn't buy it for the ambient light or the light, the LED light. They bought it, and then it was an add-on at the end. Hey, for this amount of money, we can add this on. Now, one did contact me afterwards and said that he really is enjoying the experience. But I'm not having people asking for it, at least at this point. Just just out of curiosity, and you, you can give me list price if you know, what is the premium between like one a regular flat screen and one with the ambient light? Well, I didn't. I haven't done flat screen okay. at all, actually. On the project, on the screen side, though, on the um, like projector and screen, it, it added, I think, fifty five hundred dollars to the five hundred dollar list to the system, the screen itself. Wow. So, in both of these cases, you know, the clients were already spending a decent amount of money on a good screen, and uh, they they both had said yes. It's not a bad deal, you know. Once you know the the, the percentage, probably isn't that great. Uh, George, not only just for, for residential, but is there a, uh, a pro AV, uh, market for this or, you know, an instance where we could see this, uh, in maybe digital signage or someplace else? I I think you hit it on there. I'm digital signage possibly. I I could, that would be, that was my first thought is digital signage as to the corporate boardroom or in an event space. Okay. Maybe an event space when it's, you know, appropriate. There are a lot of sort of rock and rollish, uh, edgy, as they, the the producers like to call it, <laughs> in in their in their world. I could see that, but not as a standard thing. Um, I think it would become fairly tiresome very quickly. Uh, How about on my, the my question, side? I don't know. Hmm. I mean, would it make it clearer? And here's my question to it then. It's just like HD. The client, you said, didn't ask for it at first. It wasn't the thing they wanted it for. It just sort of came with it. My question is, with the clients who purchased it, do they miss it when they watch something on another format, whether it's the second screen or another person's TV or another TV in the house? If you're missing it, then it is actually a feature that they would appreciate after seeing it and being accustomed to it. I don't know if that's true yet. 
I haven't heard any reports of people saying, wow, this really did change it. Man, I feel like I'm straining my eyes every time I watch a TV that doesn't have it. It's a good question. Yeah. I think they need to do a study. They need to do a study for healthcare and say, you know, if you watch TV this way, it's more meditative and will lower your blood pressure. And then you could sell a bunch of them. <laughs> this, I can this. see putting it in a, in a conference room and my customer coming a week later and say, get rid of it. Yeah. Or turn that feature off. Yeah. Turn that yeah. Feature. Can you turn that off, please? No, no, I can't. I can unscrew yeah. the LED. But... You know, every time they put up a nice uh, uh, Excel spreadsheet. They put up a map of Afghanistan and it's a nice brown, you know. Yeah. Sorry. I just like the uh, the white Excel sheet. Like everyone walks away from the the, the room with a, a sunburn on one side of their <laughs> face, sort of like the alien again. <laughs> Burnt <Nice>. retinas. <laughs> What'd you say? Burnt retinas. Yeah. Good night. Uh, uh, all right. You're listening to AV Week. That, that uh, fine young lady right there is... Uh, Heather Sidorowitz. Uh George Tucker is here as well as Bernie Kettner. Uh, from the fine folks at electronichouse.com, Sony's 4K downloads start at $7.99 a movie. Dun, dun, dun. <sighs> wow. So, um, for all the people who said the problem with 4K is that there is no down, there, there is no content, there you are. Eight bucks a movie <laughs> to download a 4K show. Um... George, what's the, I guess, what's the, first of all, what's the argument now against 4K? Well, I, I think you're really asking what 4K? Is it upscaled? Is eh, it native? Eh, well, you know, no, and 4K, you know that a lot of it's not going to be that. Hang on a second. 4K is 4K. They didn't call it UHD TV downloads. Yeah. They called it 4K. True. Okay. Yes. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, again, it's the same thing we did with uh, HD. There were a lot of movies that were HD upload that were enhanced in some way that made them technically HD. And we all remember that, where that was the sort of stopgap in between. And I guess that's where we'll be. I, I still question 4K as much as having witnessed it at a trade show in an open air environment, not excessively, you know, manicured environment for them to show it to you in. And it was damn impressive, and I had to say that I was I was really impressed. That sense of space and that sense of of touchability, like wow, I can reach out to that non three D guy, obviously, was was very impressive. That may very well do it, because there was um who is it? Our friend Swanee, Phil Swan of mm-hmm. TVPredictions.com, is always wondering about like three D he hated and four K he's starting to raise the same questions. Are people ready? Is it enough for them to switch over or to purchase anew? Or if it comes as a part of what they buy because they had to replace, will that be the growth for it? I think the, the, the jury's still out, but having material that at least is 4K-like or 4K true, I guess we can make that argument, then it would be a better, uh, a better argument and have more of an incentive for someone to buy. I'd love to see it, but I, I'm, still, I'm still out. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, Bernie, is this something that not just, I mean, you're in government, but, you know, in the if you're at your house <laughs> downloading 4K movies, uh, how big of a deal is this for Sony to be bringing, bringing content to a display that, uh, technology that they have a big stake in? Well, out here in Idaho, I mean, we could start the uh, download <laughs> on a Monday and maybe be done by Friday. But that's a nice, no, that's not bad, you know, you schedule your weekend early and... Yeah, yeah. Time the, shifting. The, yeah, the time shifting. Time, yeah, the rental time will be expired by the time it gets downloaded. Yeah. Um, well, talk to me about government, though, Bernie. Is, is there interest in 4K in the government installations that you guys are involved in? Is there a buzz about it? Yeah, uh, actually, we're uh, doing a uh, a video wall where they want eight 80 inch 4K displays. Um, the Seamless, video walls. I would <laughs> yeah. The video walls uh, 15 foot high by 90 foot. Damn. And uh, they want 4K through the whole thing. Hmm. Very nice. You should take pictures so, of that when it's done. Yeah, if they let me. Yeah, exactly. Well, oh, yeah, if they let you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I keep forgetting your government, and we can't see or hear anything. <laughs> uh, I'm ready to read, hear the uh, headlines. You know, we know once new Bernie. He pulled out a camera. That was the last anyone saw him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Heather, let's let's get down to brass tags because this is an electronic uh, house. 
Ooh, how how big of a deal is this for the residential market? You know, I I want Sony to succeed. I feel like every time they can create these technologies and they can pull forward and then they hold on too tight to what they have and then they fail. Um, so, I, you know, part of me, I, I actually want them to, to do well by it. Um, and there was some interest in the article. One of them, they have, have some things that aren't Sony. Um, so Breaking Bad is available, which is a big deal. I mean, that that is what can get people involved. Anyone that starts with Netflix and then watches Breaking Bad is usually hooked on Netflix forever then. Um, and the other thing I liked about it is that it's downloading new content automatically. So it's available for immediate purchase. So if the Spider-Man comes out and you went to watch it days later, it's just there. You don't have to wait for it. So that's kind of helping with that immediate access that, that we need and feed off of um, in this day and age. So, I, you know, I, I want them to do well by it. But again, it's Sony. And my worry is that they're going to hold on too tightly to it and not play well with others. They're gonna, I don't want them to let their ego get in the way, and they could succeed. But the problem with that is, you know, like it, you have to play well with others to get it out there. The content, you, they need to have a lot of content. They have, um, what was it, 70 shows now, and they'll have 100 by the end of the year. Yeah. And that- but also, the player is only compatible with the 4K Ultra D- HD TVs. With the other interesting part of that, but not the 4K projector you paid all that money for. Yeah. Oops. Right. Oops. Or the original 84-inch. Oops. <laughs> See, yeah, that, so- that's Sony's biggest issue is that they don't Oops. talk to themselves. No, they don't. They're just so big. Um, but, you know, there's potential. And, and I, too, have said there is no 4K until there's content. So at least we're seeing motion, the big giants moving forward. Yeah, that just, oh, man. I, I'm, I'm, Heather, I'm with you. I, I want them to succeed at this, but I'm afraid that they're, they're going to get in their own way. Exactly. <laughs> because and they, as they do. As, as they do. As they do. Good night. Uh, all right. Uh, moving on. The FC, I, I say the FCC is not the devil in this one particular instance. Um, I teach a, a couple of uh, radio production classes and media classes here in St. Louis. And when we get to the part about the FCC, I will. I, kind of tongue-in-cheek just refer to them as the devil because, you know, uh, well, they are. <laughs> they, uh, they, you know, they've made some interesting choices over the last 20 years when it comes to percentage of ownership and this, that, and the other, and I have my own personal thoughts on that, but that's, this is not the format for that. This is the one instance, though, when they are not uh, being evil. They are going up against Verizon when in what amounts to be a net neutrality fight. Uh, Verizon and other companies like them would like to be able to possibly charge content creators like us, like Google, like YouTube, um, Amazon even, um, for the bandwidth that the clients use on the other side, which is kind of weird. They'd also like to um, stack uh, how the information is, is prioritized, meaning that if you are charter here in St. Louis, you could prioritize um, the telephone traffic and the email traffic and slow down the Google traffic, uh, I it's guess crazy. is the biggest. Uh, FCC says no. Uh, these should be free and open, uh, giving all the creators any type of legal content, uh, movies, shopping sites, medical services, anything that they want. Uh, and so they are going before a, uh, a, a, a another court. It's, a, it's another appeals court uh, in D.C., uh, George, kind of lay out this fight and and how how big of a deal is this? Not just for um, you know us as a society, but but AV in general. Well, I think you laid it out fairly well. It is about access and about having the ability to make sure your content isn't relegated to some back alley, based on the whim or the monetary decisions of a firm or someone who can buy you out. So if you're ABC and you have a competitor in CBS and they buy out the bandwidth. You're done. <clears throat> I don't think that would actually happen in such big corporations, although it could. It really is about the freedom of access to, as we spoke about earlier, something that a lot of people are now considering a basic human right of access. And when you start to regulate it in such ways, the argument that it is similar to the airwaves of the 1920s or 1900s, probably the 1920s, I think, when regulation started to take an effect with major broadcasters, you know, there was a lot of sub uh, amateur stations playing. 
The FCC, actually, funny enough, has recently, in the last five years, allowed low-power radio stations to broadcast on the same frequency set as major broadcasters. I don't know if you guys are aware of some of this. And in urban areas, you can drive past with especially an AM, if not an FM radio, and start to pick up all these different stations that broadcast. And they're on the same channels as some of the major networks. They're allowed to because it's local community access. So they have a foot to stand on here with their regulations relating to what the wider uh, airwaves have been. And we could go on and on with the Electronic Freedom Foundation and all mm -hmm. these other people who have done blackouts to, to help fight the net neutrality. This is why I think, in my opinion, they need to give – and uh, this could open up political conversation, which I don't want it to get into. But I believe that there should be some form of government subsidies to let the Googles and the Microsofts have not only airwaves but the ability to build independent uh, network space that we could tag onto. Just It might be just like a cable network, but there'd be a, there'd be a choice then. You don't want to give me – Verizon, you want to limit my access? Tell you what, I'm going to go to these guys who say I can get 100 megabits bandwidth. Go, go, go. Well, that, and that that brings up another question about the free market. I mean, uh, Bernie mentioned the fact that he's got maybe one or two uh, services in in Boise. Uh, here in St. Louis, I'm I've got possibly two, maybe three, if you if you count satellite. Not that we're a huge town, but you know we're in the top twenty five market for crying out loud. It's not New York, but it's not you know Springfield, Illinois, <laughs> um, and so I I wonder where the the competition has gone because when i was growing up when when dial up was was still in its infancy you could you could you know turn around and and hit an isp provider uh, in this town you know in, in this small little town um and nowadays it's like one or two guys and that's it um and so i i i, I, I hear your point george but i also wonder if it's if something has happened to the um the competition over the last 10 and 20 years uh, when it comes to inter internet service providers. So, yeah. uh, Bernie, uh, is this is this a huge deal? I mean, you, we've kind of talked about, you know, your limited access, but is this something that you guys are concerned about in Boise? Well, we're concerned about, yeah, it's, it's Idaho. I mean, any restriction on any kind of freedom out here is a issue. Um <laughs> And uh, the FCC keeping everything open is, is the best thing to do. I mean, you need access to whatever you need. And, you know, to, for somebody to restrict something, it's just, uh, I don't know, it, 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 it's just wrong. I mean, it's a hard one, isn't it? It's a yeah. hard thing to, you're caught in this, I believe in free enterprise as well, but you're caught between this, wait, you want to take away what from me? It, it's right. sort of like saying that they want to give... Um, supermarkets the right to say that people with a healthier diet are allowed freer access to the aisles right you know well, and it doesn't really make sense okay so let me let me bring this and we'll bring Heather in on this is it maybe time to start because there are so limited so many limited accesses access points to the internet is it maybe time to consider and treat internet service providers as a utility there's been talk of that yes you know, to where it's like, you know what, you're, you know, whether, I don't know who you guys' you know, power provider is, but they are a regulated monopoly, right? There's, there's maybe one or two, uh, there's, there's one power company, there's one gas company, um, but they're a regulated monopoly and they're regulated heavily by the government. Um, and you go back to what the EU says with, you know, internet is a fundamental human right. Yeah, you could, you could argue that, you know, electricity and plumbing and water is, is as well. So, is it time maybe to to uh, consider them a uh, a uh, a utility, Heather? What do you think? I I don't you know you know from your paying bill side, don't you already kind of feel that way? Like you're not going to cancel your internet, you already yeah. you have it. Um, this this whole thing to me is it's a slippery slope. Um, it it scares me. Um, it, I I think that. There's some amazing things that have happened via the internet. I think that without the internet, we wouldn't know each other. I know without the internet, we wouldn't know each other. Or um, there's some amazing things that can happen because it's everyone's on equal playing ground. So you might not have ever heard of um, Twitter or Facebook because in the beginning, there wasn't the money. There, they came because they, they get leads and followed and it's kind of grassrootsy. By having them say you need to pay 
to be get on that side and give preferential treatment. I feel it's the capitalism of the internet. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree with the FCC. I think that it has to remain open for us to continue in this wild west-ish world of the internet. It may not always be that way, but I, I hope it is. Let me ask kind of a, this is a rhetorical question. You can answer it if you like, but but um, is this maybe our, because we're all three, all four kind of at the same mindset, you know, let's keep it open. Let's. Is this a remnant of us being Americans in the Wild West? Heather mentioned the Wild West. Do you think maybe this is an Americanized, you know, mindset where if we were in the EU or we were in Russia or another part of the world that we wouldn't have this mindset? That's very possible. I mean, we are all freedom of everything, freedom, freedom, freedom. Mm -hmm. It's my right. You're breaking, you know, this amendment. Americans cry that all the time. I'll sue you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the American that way. I cry that all the time, too. <laughs> Spilled a cup of coffee. It's not my fault. It's your fault. Um, yeah, so it very well could be a, a an American way of thinking. Yeah, I don't know. Um, well, go ahead. I don't think it may be a, 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 just an American. I mean, this is about... This is the environment. This is the garden, as it were, that that startups and new businesses come from now. This is our economic engine and regulating it in that way that limits who and how and when can do will limit competition, will limit uh, creativity and will limit new startups. So the richest man will win. Yeah. And that's, you know, we went through this with the robber barons. We went through this with lots of people. Now there's arguments to be made. There's econo econ economists. Say that word easy. The economists. Did you just call them <laughs> economists? The back of the head. Um, who argue that during that robber baron period, the standard of living for every American rose, even for those at the bottom, even though they were suffering still. And the, there's arguments that people are making similar to that of, yes, it'll be suffering. There'll be some startups that can't work, but they will generate more employment overall. I don't believe a, a wink of it, to tell you the truth, that you're going to – if you do this, you're going to kill off something that is the one last developmental economic engine we have left at the moment side you know, because we don't have factories really anymore. It's true. We have some. I mean some. handful. Not, not what they were, man. No, not, absolutely not. No, absolutely. not the engine you need. No, absolutely not. And, and you're right. This is this is the the engine for the 21st century. It really is. Yeah. Um, and it's I, I keep going back to that whole fundamental right that keeps getting stuck stuck in my head. It really, really is because it is connection for everything. I mean, um, there are places of employment that they won't take an actual physical paper application anymore to get a job. Now, a lot of times, you have to go online and fill out their online application. So. Mm. All righty, moving on. From Gizmoto, Disney has a microphone that transmits sound through your fingertips. Yay. <laughs> uh, I don't know. This is just... I. First of all, it's Disney, and it's, it's Disney's research group, and I don't know. Uh, George, is this... How big of a deal is this microphone here that... I don't know. It... it sticks it yeah okay it's this is very weird because of the picture they show it's almost like the person is sticking their finger in your ear yeah and yeah, that's just that. weird well it has to do a lot with uh, it's similar to the um the technology i believe that like jawbone yes uses right and all of those um pzo electric uh headsets that you know the the astronauts used to wear on their on their adam's apple or just below their jaw actually right they would stick those uh, you used to see those pictures of the astronauts and i think the gemini and some of the Apollo, they had them stuck right underneath. Yes. And those were actually microphones for them to, to transmit. Uh, I think it's very nifty. And I love that they're, the Disney is sort of letting out that this is there. And, of course, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy reference in the article is, is very is nice. It's always very something nice. that we have to mention. Um, and for those who don't know, it's the Babelfish babble uh, that I can translate that. any language. But I think there's some actual applications here for our world. You could make devices that when you sit down all, and you say well, your gaming chair, it just touches you where you need to be right at the ear. And there's no need for these large sets of speakers. You can have these two inputs to your ears that just by sitting down on something, you touch it and you get the information. I don't know if I could see this in digital signage, you know, because it's too much of the public 
everybody's touching something. Mm-hmm. You know, Did we don't you have see public- this um, at CES? Did either of you do that demo? No. So there's no, a demo, and I can't remember the name of the company, um, but there is a, com- a company that did a, a radio, an earbud kind of that way, so that you actually had something that touched your ear, and it, it did it through Bluetooth, but there was mm-hmm. no actual audio. And the way they were pitching it was that if you were running, you can actually have both of your ears open, so you hear cars or other things, a dog running at you, whatever it might be, but you still could listen to your music. Now, I did do the audio demo, and it was weird sounding. It wasn't a comfortable it, – it's neat. The concept is neat. Um, but the, 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 it didn't sound like high-fidelity music, but it's obviously very in the beginning stages. Mm. Well, and the other thing that, to consider here is the health ramifications of having those earbuds in your ears. Mm. Uh, for over and yeah. over and over again. One of the one of the things I do in, in my, the early stages of my classes is uh, I play the frequencies from 20 hertz up to 20,000 hertz, and I tell the, the students to raise their hand when they've lost, uh, mm. when they can't hear anymore. And a couple of years ago, I had a young man. He was 22, 23 years old. He lost, he, he raised his hand at 12K. Now, uh, if you're not that familiar, 12K is not... That high when it come in, and yes, it's a high frequency, but I'm almost 40 years old and I was in radio for a number of years and, and we've been wearing headphones for way too long and probably way too loud. I think my attenuation is about 14 or 15K. And so here's a kid who's 20 years younger than I am who's already got attenuation at, at 12K. That's a big concern uh, as that young man gets older and older because he's just going to keep losing more. Um, yeah. I wonder too uh, if there's a place for what about seniors? I wonder if it would affect mm. for people who have issues, hearing issues. Um, something I see all the time, all the time, that I wish someone would invent um, is some kind of device so that seniors can sit on the couch and watch TV without blasting it. I mean, we all probably have memories of grandpa turning the volume all the way up on the TV. No one else can hear each other talking. If there was a way to do something with that, maybe someone who's hard of hearing, that would be an interesting. I'd like to see where that someone would go with that. I can actually see a, a, a government yeah. uh, way of using this. I mean, if, if we could the have FBI. A, a simple cable going up and a little clip going under earlobe, and there's no audio, um, that'd be awesome. We'll see that in the next Mission Impossible. Well, isn't that true? Because they don't really yeah. like RF frequencies in a lot of these government thing, uh, uh, oh, installations, no. right? Because you can be tapped. Not even infrared is really allowed, right? They don't really like that at all. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I have palms explaining IR to them yeah. sometimes. You can't use uh, that. I'm like, got a TV remote sitting there. <laughs> it, right. Yeah. And, and what, what this really comes down to is Disney and others who are really stretching the research as to um, – I think a couple of uh, years back we covered a story about how they made any surface into a speaker. You know, whether that's glass or a table or, or a person could become a speaker. And these mm-hmm. are sort of ways of understanding, yeah. you know, that we could transmit more data, whether that's wirelessly with a receiver that does the same thing or if it's, you know, human to human contact. I mean, no one really wants to talk by touching each other's jaw for quiet. Although I could see, again, government agencies or, you know, sort of black ops kind of people wanting that because it's so low that not even a, you know, like Bluetooth can be sniped. Oh, yeah. Even those low frequency, low power things can be can be tapped into. This would be much more difficult to tap into. You'd have to have something so sensitive to basically pick up the resonance of the hammer, the hammer and the hammer and anvil. Oof. Yeah, that word. Uh, in order to, to 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 listen to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean it's a, it's a neat idea, and you're right. It's it's cool that Disney put it out there because the Disney research people have come up with some interesting things the last few years. Mm. So. Uh, all right, from slash dot slash CNET. Um, CNET has a guy by the name of Steve Gutenberg, and if you grew up in the 80s like I did, it's not the same guy. Right. Um, <laughs> sorry. But he's t- he talks with a guy named Steve uh, Albini, I think, or Albini. Albini. Albini, thank you, uh, who's a big fan of analog tape, as in cassettes in reel-to-reel. Um, George, are we... Are we regressing, I guess, when it comes to, uh, was it last month or month before last, we had Record Store Day. Last week was Cassette Store Day. Are we regressing back to a more, not I'm not, not going to call it higher fidelity, but um, a more uncompressed audio uh, uh, society? 
Well, I think there's there's a there's a there's a nostalgia in many people's eyes, whether they're people who are experiencing it for the first time, the nostalgia of it from what they've heard from others, uh, maybe the older set, and the older set having a nostalgia for something that we call that warm sound, right? Mm-hmm. Analog gave us something that. We can add warm sound to digital recordings, but then you hear that operative word, add. Uh, I know when I worked in recording studios way back when we got the first digital multi-track machines, we had a fleet of outboard gear that in Mixdown, we added some of those what we call second-order harmonic distortions that you got by overdriving analog tape on certain channels to give it that warmth sound that they wanted. Um, I don't know if it's so much that that's the driving message that Albini is, is saying here. I think he's talking more about the fact that Digital files in and of themselves, while easily transportable, easily shareable, there's a high probability that many of them may never be able to be played again 10, 20 years from now. The formats would have changed so much that you can't play it. And the mechanical process of recording and or replaying this medium, whether it's analog tape or a record or whatever, there's a way to somehow create that back simply without having to redesign a circuit board, yeah. as it were. Um, there's lots of arguments in my head for, for going old school. Hell, I have a 1958 Grundig that I still play my 78 RPM uh, Hawaii ba- Hawaiian-based, uh, you know, that, that whole 50 genre, the Hawaiian music that people loved. Uh, and, and sometimes I listen to sports on it because it's a tube-driven mm. paper speaker system that just sounds right to me. No, it, it did. Go ahead, Bernie. Instead of getting... You know, tape. Go back to an album. Get a record. You get well, but why? Cause why get a tape? Because it sounds better. It's, yeah. I hear. I hear. But first of all, you, you've got. I mean, the the whole magnetic tape thing is fine. Um, if you get it in a big enough uh, size, I mean, you 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 put you know audio on a, on an inch tape. You're gonna get. You're gonna have more space to put more information and, and more depth. I guess is the best way to put it. More more warmth. I don't know. Um, but you put it on what's not even a half inch. What is that? A quarter inch? An eighth of an inch on a cassette? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's for both sides. You know, side A and side B. <laughs> so, Heather, is this uh, is this a good idea to go back to the whole cassette tapes? Well, this is a little bit out of my jurisdiction. I think. I I, I don't see a, anything on the residential side there's I haven't even considered or thought about tapes besides when I was in high school begging radio stations to play music so I could record a song did you ever make make a mixtape oh yeah oh, oh yeah that's how relationships were in high school yes ma'am here's a mixtape I made you a mixtape <laughs> um you know so so for my I guess George you guys probably know that tech side um to me it seems that if all this audio lives somewhere on a cloud somewhere, there will just be code to write it and transfer it so it would be able to be played back digitally. Now, that's, again, probably a little bit out of my jurisdiction, but I don't personally see a need for it, but maybe there's something I'm not seeing. Heather actually makes a good point, George. Is there a way to encode uh, not only the the actual, I mean, obviously you, you can take a, a record player and do an a, a analog di- to digital converter, but is there a way to fully capture what's on there um, in a digital format? Yes, but it's quite expensive. Okay. Uh, we had what is it? Uh, wow, you've just—I've had a brain fart. I haven't said this word in so many years. PCMI, not PCMIA. There was a pulse code modulation sampling technique, which basically sampled the entire wave. I remember this because we had a Sony box at PCM. But yeah, yeah and I. I couldn't get that quite out of my head. I had to go through that sort of game show <laughs> logic. Um, you know, and you could, yes. And it's expensive as all heck. And look at the difficulty we have with all of those services out there that offer high-quality CDs or high-quality uh, download music. They're expensive. They sound fantastic on a great system. Even better sometimes on a, on a less fantastic system but they're still expensive and we've lost the battle in many ways to this is not new news to convenience and portability over the ultimate quality and that good enough is good enough there's a good enough factor definitely right 
and you know from 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 Heather's side I don't think you're going to see this kind of stuff going into the residential either because the size of the equipment required is no longer acceptable in our world. We are not a society that says I have room for a console table in my general house. Even the multi-million dollar houses don't really want that because there's so much other things in space that they want. This you're whole right. It's all about format. equipment on scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put it in the basement. Don't I don't want to see it. Yeah. Right. Years ago, a major manufacturer put out a a sort of component-looking system that was made to be seen. And while a number of the clients who actually wanted that put in there, it's very sort of Macintosh-looking, the amplifiers, not the computer. Um, but many of them, we found, were just putting them in the rack, in downstairs in the basement or that sub-side that, you know, they looked beautiful there, but they weren't being shown. It's the same thing. It's all about the open floor plan, right? About all about the clean space. Yep. Uh, of many of these things. So as much as I'd love to see it, you're not going to see them do it. And for music, I think there's an argument to be made to do that. And Albini's, again, his argument is these bands are getting free access. That's great. We did a DIY show on AB Nation when I pulled in a lot of these independent music people. And even they were saying, unless you know what you're doing with this equipment, it's going to sound like crap. And that freedom of expression is great. But don't consider that people are going to buy it. Yeah, absolutely not. Mm. All right. Uh, that will be it for today. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, Heather Sideritz. Sideritz. Sidorowitz. But thank you know you. you're almost there. <laughs> you caught my disease. Tech Chi. Uh, she's the project manager for Southtown Audio Video, but also a blogger for Residential Systems and Tech Chi. Thank you so much for joining us, ma'am. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Had a blast. Absolutely. Where can people find you and your, and your bloggings or Twitterings? Um, you can pull up any of my bloggings from Residential Systems website, which is residentialsystems.com. Um, and Twittering, my handle is tech underscore chi, C-H-I, balance between technology and your world. Very well done. Uh, also with us is Bernie Katner. He is the president and CEO of Nimbus Integration Group. Thank you, Bernie. No problem. Thank you for having me. And how can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Skype, uh, LinkedIn. Twitter, all Bernie.Katner. Bernie.Katner. Uh, and last but not least, George Tucker, uh, Engineering Coordinator for World Stage. Where can people find you, sir? Uh, if it's a social media platform, Tucker Tues, T-U-E-S at the end. I'm there. And uh, if you want to follow me, it's TD Tim David Albright on Twitter and Facebook and Google Plus, I think. But more importantly for me and everybody here, please go by the website. Uh, it's developing. It's like a, uh, what would you call it? It's a caterpillar in a cocoon, and it's soon to be released. Uh, our, our web guys are working feverishly. Uh, it has a new look and feel, so if you find something that breaks, please let us know, because, uh, you know, I can't check all the all the, the thousands of links we've got there. So, yeah, go by the website, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. You'll find this podcast. Um social media podcast, a state of control, which is our control show podcast, uh, education, uh, live staging and events. Uh, we have a couple new projector shows. We have a CDS show that's come back, come out a CDS special that'll come out. Um, this is we're recording this on Friday. So Monday or Tuesday, uh, all sorts of stuff. So avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. That's all the time we have for AV week. <laughs>